Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Vent. This is Fed Weekly. A collaboration between Vice and Brent 2020, London Borough of Culture. Get a cracking. Amelia. Santos. Vent Daily. Every day this week, we're making a show about what we wish we'd learned at school and what we think teachers should know about. Something that I never learned at school was how to navigate the world of work. So moving on to part two, self-advocacy in the workplace. So even when you are in a job, there can still be challenges. Zing, what are some common issues that can come up at work? One big thing is not getting paid enough, like learning how to negotiate a salary and learning to get the salary that you know you're worth. In the first few years of my career, I want to like say this really openly, I was paid below minimum wage for London. And that was for like a title at a magazine. And I was working my ass off. It was a very demanding job because I was basically running all the social media channels and the website. But at the time, after when I graduated, I didn't know any better. This was around, I would say, like 2011. And it was after the recession. So everyone had this real mentality of, oh, my God, you got a job. Be grateful and shut up. So I put up with a lot of stuff in that first job, including, you know, not being paid enough because I kind of had this mentality where, oh my God, I'm just grateful I'm employed. So I'm not (laughs) going to kick up a fuss. But now looking back, I would tell myself, you know, what they're paying you isn't enough. And everyone knows it. It's like an embarrassing open secret that nobody's getting paid enough and you should be asking for more money. Mm. In the end, I actually left because I found another job that paid more money. It was a real learning experience, I think for me, where it was like, don't be grateful for just whatever people are willing to give you. And now being several years into my career, I know that when people say there's not enough money, it usually means there's like enough money. There's always money somewhere. It's usually going into the pockets of the people at the very top. So you should, I think people should learn to understand that Mm -hmm. when you ask for a salary, that's the starting point. It's like a negotiation. Yes. For them, the people who are like hiring you and paying your salary It is an absolute bonus and a dream if the first thing you do when they offer you a salary is to say, oh, great, thank you. Mm. Like that's to them is like amazing case closed. Mm -hmm. But in the back of their mind, they've worked with people and they've hired people whose first response to a salary request was, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. that's not enough. Do you have any budget for more? Like it's a very normal thing for them to be asked stuff like that. I've negotiated with people before where they've said, oh, you know, that is unfortunately the budget we'd still love you to do it. So even if you are thinking, if I start negotiating and saying I want more money, they're going to come back and be like, well, too bad. We hate you now. Go away. Like I've never encountered that in my life of negotiating with people. You might get the response of, oh, sorry, um, we don't have any more budget to pay that. But, you know, obviously understand if you don't want to go ahead with it. Like that's the worst they can say to you. Anything else is 
kind of fine, you know? Like, I think this is the thing, right? A lot of people, especially when they're starting out, like I did, took everything so personally. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I was so grateful to get a job. I was so grateful to be paid what I got given. You know, I thought that if I kicked up a fuss, people would just hate me and boot me out of whatever company or job I was doing at the time. Mm -hmm. But actually it's never that personal. It's never that deep. Right. The person who's hiring you, they're not going to go to bed and, you know, be fuming about this horrible person who's been like asking for more money. They've done it themselves. They've been in that position. So that's basically my motto in in my career. It's like, it's never that deep. Don't overthink it. I feel that's such a good thing to like advise people, especially for me hearing that because like, all three of us here are people of colour. So these businesses are predominantly run by white people at the top anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's really difficult to make noise about some of the injustices that we face in the Mm. business because we're less likely to be heard. I think we're quite silenced and pushed aside within like creative industries quite a lot anyway. Yeah. So it's good that you kind of give the advice of like, you know, make as much noise as you need to. They're not going to hate you for it. They're expecting it. That's what business is like. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to kind of speak out for what, you know, especially as a freelancer, you know, you know what work you put in, so you know what you should be getting paid. So you shouldn't really be silent and just take like pennies. You mentioned the people at the top, which obviously in most industries, there is a hierarchy. Do we think that this is a bad thing? I've worked with people at the top who have been great and I've worked with people at the top who have been bad. I think definitely like the further higher up you go, the less you deal with the people who are actually making the content. So, you know, like for you, Santos, you know, the person who's like giving the record deal and signing off on, you know, the numbers is not going to be the person who's in the studio making the beats. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I think there can be quite a distance between that. That's really hard to navigate because, you know, you feel like you're the one making the content, you're the one putting the blood, sweat and tears into it. And the person at the top seems to be the one like making the most out of your hard work so that's why I always say like if you're in the creative industries and you're in a junior position or mid-level the best thing you can do is create a network of like-minded people around you especially you know Amelia you said we're all people of colour here and I cannot tell you the amount of conversations I've had with my friends who are also people of colour where we've been able to vent to each other and offer support and, you know, give advice. And sometimes we can work in very different places, you know. That's the greatest thing about it, though. Like, social media can really help you connect with people of colour. Like, even if you're not doing the exact same job, like somebody could be doing music, for example, like Santos, I could be writing, Mm -hmm. somebody could be like a videographer, but we're all kind of in the same boat at the same time like we kind of understand yeah, of course. the struggles that we're all going to face so building that kind of like support system is so important I think as a freelancer because you're on your own I just wanted to we mentioned pay but I wanted to talk a bit about you know other things that we might not be entitled to in some workplaces like you know holidays sick leave how would you say we can ask for these things if we feel like we're not getting them I mean assuming that you've got a manager and like a boss that you answer to who's in charge of deciding whether or not you get these things. I always think it's good to frame it in a kind of way where if you give me these things, it's not a loss to you. It's a gain for both of us because let's take holiday. For instance, if you're working all year without a break and you're desperate for holiday, go to your manager and say, you know, I will be able to do my best work if I'm able to take two weeks off and go on holiday and refresh my mind and get inspired and come back to you and be able to produce even better ideas and even better content. Mm -hmm. It's something I think you learn, especially when you're like negotiating with people, you always have to frame it in a kind of way of, it costs you nothing to give me this, it'll actually benefit all of us. Mm. Because that's the kind of thing that 
you know, if you're a manager, you'll think, okay, yeah, this makes sense because it means the content and the work that we'll all be producing will be made better by this. I'm not giving away anything if I allow this person to have, you know, holiday time, better pay, everything like that. And anyway, you're entitled to these things like holiday pay and sick leave, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to live in a world like America where, you know, your job is, your health insurance is contingent on your job. You know, in America, they have stuff like 10 holiday days a year. That's crazy to me. Very crazy. In the UK, you have laws about stuff like that. You know, you should use them. The other thing I wanted to mention related to creating and building your own network of support is one of the things that's really helpful, at least for me as a journalist, has been joining a union. So I'm part of the National Union of Journalists. We've got a union advice. Because we're part of a union, we've got a network of people who are at the same company, who know what we're going through, but can tell us more about what's happening in the company and how we can all fight together for better pay, better kind of working conditions. And it's kind of like an insurance policy for me. Right. Like every month I pay a little bit of money to the National Union of Journalists. And I know that if shit really, really hits the fan and I need, say, legal advice, they'll have to offer it to me because I've been paying my membership dues. Yeah. I call it like an insurance policy on your job, basically. And also, it's a way to network with people in a way that doesn't feel cringy or, you know, hierarchical. I always feel like networking has this idea where everyone's like sucking up to the most powerful person in the room. Yeah. But actually, if you're in a union and, you know, if your union's really good, they'll organize like social events and meetups and stuff like that. Yeah. And you can meet people and you're kind of all on the same footing because you're all part of the same union. What other types of support systems might there be? There are kind of industry bodies and trade bodies that will have kind of the same priorities as a union. They might not be able to offer you legal support or advice, but, you know, I know, for instance, in the music industry, there are different organizations and trade bodies for sound engineers or producers or songwriters. It's worth, like, finding out, you know, what the trade bodies and industry bodies in your particular industry are and then mm. signing up and scoping them out to see what they're about and whether or not they can help you. There's also, you know, a ton of people on social media whom you can just seek out online, you know, follow the people that they follow, see what they're talking about. Sometimes they'll have meetups, you know, sometimes they'll have workshops. Those are always worth attending if they're interesting to you. You can feel very isolated and alone sometimes. And the key to kind of avoiding those feelings is to just build a support network around you and to seek out people who have the same interests and the same kind of backgrounds and jobs as you. Mm -hmm. So you feel like you're not alone. And also to feel like the problems that you might encounter aren't just specific to you. They might be the result of centuries of patriarchy and racism at play. You know, institutions like the creative arts aren't immune to stuff like that either. And the feelings of isolation that you might be feeling are probably things that a lot of people feel. Exactly. With those things, like, of course, as creatives, like, it can knock you. And if you're feeling demotivated, that's going to affect your work and your work ethic. And, you know, you're not going to be able to perform at your best all the time or deliver the best work that you could because you have all of these other things on your mind when you're supposed to be focusing on what you're passionate about and what you love doing. You also need to be tactical about it. You know, sometimes there'll be opportunities that come up and you'll think this doesn't pay as much as I like to. But on the other hand, it does give me, you know, access to this thing that I've been dreaming about working in for a long while, you know. So it's always about like weighing it up. It's not necessarily, you know, all down to 
the ones and zeros and you know how much money you're going to make out of something sometimes the experience you get out of it or like the access to important people or like an important industry can boost the amount of money you can make from it one thing i've definitely learned through freelancing is that one thing usually leads to another it's not like it's never going to be like your your last resort i could work with someone tomorrow and they're recommending someone else to me because of of the work that I've done and if I'm feeling discouraged and I don't perform at my best I'm not going to get recommended to someone else because I didn't do the best work that I could have whereas if I allow myself to be focused and I always make sure that I'm doing the best job that I can do people will always have you know positive things to say and you know like it will go a long way. So true. I've literally just been taking in all these pearls of wisdom from you guys because I'm just starting out in the game, really. So it's just been nice to like speak to you both and Zing, of course. No but worries. Yeah, what just a pleasure! Thank you for joining us again. <laughs> We've definitely spoken to you a few times, but this one was a great convo. So thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, Zing. Thank you for having me. It's been great. I'm a freelancer, especially in this pandemic, but even just generally anyway, it's quite difficult to like be loud yeah. like in an industry that is, you know, dominated by people who aren't of your race, who are of a, you know, different background and stuff like that, and just generally have a bigger privilege over you. Feeling like you're going to have a place in this industry, it's quite difficult sometimes, it can overwhelm you. So I think what Zing had to say about, you know, just putting yourself out there and what you have to say as well, like, you know, it's not always going to work the first time, but you you still need to persevere. I think that kind of helped me and it will definitely help a lot of people who listen to this. Thanks for listening to Vent Weekly. I'm Santos. And I'm Emilia. And thanks a lot to Zing for coming on. This episode was produced by the Vent production team. Jess Lawson, Emilia Gill, Moeed Majid and Ali Adlington. Vent is a collaboration between Vice and Brent London Borough of Culture 2020. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.